0: dash 2024. We hope to see you January 19th and or January 20th and can't wait to connect with you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Ashley Barlow Company podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow, your host. If you are a parent, Hello Holly. Hi. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to welcome you to the podcast. And I'm really excited to be here. So you guys, this all started with an email that I got from Holly that just kind of told me your story. And that's really what we're going to do today is we're going to dive into her story. Now truth be told, I usually start podcasts with kind of like a list of questions. Um, And Holly's email was so uh, storytelling and so thorough and interesting that I was like, we're, I'm not even going to send you any conversation starters, um, we're just going to chat. So I welcome you, my audience, into um, our living rooms to just kind of listen to Holly's story, Holly's journey. I am certain that whether you are a parent or a teacher or both, like Holly, that you can relate to the content of today's podcast. So Holly, why don't we start off and
1: just let you give us a a basic introduction of yourself. Sure. So my name's Holly Johnson and I just finished my 20th year of teaching. And so I have taught integrated kindergarten. I've taught half day and full day kindergarten. And I have um, taught resource room where we pull students out of the classroom. have taught life skills, which is a self-contained program. I've done both at the same time um, because I work in a small district. So it just kind of depends on what um, is needed for the year. And so next year I'll be doing just the self-contained program, which I absolutely love. Um, I have two kids and um, my husband who works really hard. And yeah, so excited to be here.
0: And Holly, when you are teaching in the role of a special education teacher, whether a resource teacher or somebody that would more push in services or do pull out services or in a self contained classroom,
1: what grade levels are you teaching? Kindergarten through second grade. And I've had, um, I've been really fortunate. The school that I got hired in, that's where I've been this whole time. And I absolutely love it. So, what year are you in your career? Um, just finished my 20th year oh oh my gosh that's a yeah. long time so I would have
0: been finishing 22 if I were still in the classroom um, and that is well first of all I think it's funny teachers always know what year they're on um, probably because of the retirement system but it's like when it, I have no idea how long I've been an attorney unless I do the math Um And it's 16, and the only reason I know that is because one of my friends did a Facebook live yesterday, one of my law school friends, and she said 16, and I was like, oh, good, maybe I can remember it for a couple months. Um, (laughs) But teachers always know, you know, exactly how long they've been in the classroom. Um, So, and and, I mean, you know, what a wonderful blessing to be able to get kids right at the beginning of their elementary school education, at least. That's probably a very rewarding job.
1: Absolutely. I feel like um, it's kind of my um, passion to give parents hope to, um, you know, kind of walk the path with them. A lot of times they're just going through diagnosis. So they're going through the grieving process and, you know, just really letting them know that no matter what um, diagnosis their child has, that we don't really look at that or I don't look at that. I look at what can they do and what do they need some scaffolding on. And so, um, you know, their child is their child and we're gonna take their child from wherever they are and get them as far as um, we can get them. And for me, I'm fortunate because in the self-contained program, I have the children for three years. And so we really do um, end up being family by the end of it, which I love.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is really great to have that relationship, that long lasting relationship. Jack had that in elementary school, he had the same teacher all the way through, his special educator. And at first I was like, oh gosh, how's this gonna go? Cause it can be also disastrous. Um, and I mean, I, I'm still grieving the loss of that teacher-child relationship, which is now developing into something different because he's transitioning to a new school. So for us, that was a wonderful situation. So, okay, so for roadmap purposes, um, what we're going to kind of explore today is your um, experience as a teacher, you know, kind of your background as a teacher, and then we're going to talk about COVID learning and the impact of COVID learning on you as a teacher, you as a parent, you as a human, Um, and then I'd like to kind of talk about what, how that led you to kind of shape your career as you are, let's say, maybe midway or even on the downhill side of your career and the choices that you've made. Because um, we'll go ahead and give the spoiler alert. You are exploring the future in special education advocacy and starting a business as an advocate, right? Absolutely. Okay, so we're going to start at the beginning, and we're going to work our way through. So let's just kind of talk about why you went into education, what you like about education. Um, you know, Holly is a pre-COVID teacher.
1: <laughs> yeah, so um, the funny thing about education is, you know, if you talk to anybody that knew me growing up, they would say she knew she always wanted to be a teacher. So that has just always been there for me. Um, you know, childhood friends are like, Oh, I remember playing school with you all the time. And, you know, those sorts of things. So I'm one that it's, um, I like to play things safe. So it's like, once I have a plan, um, I just, I know that's what I want to do. And so um, went to school and, you know, sometimes it takes, um more than the four years to get through the program, not me. I'm like, nope, we're getting through it because I wanna get out there and get teaching. Um, And then special education came because it's, I'm sure it's way different now, but at the time when I was going through my teaching program and looking for my endorsements, um, special education was the only program that offered classroom management and assessment courses, and so truly the reason that I started down the path of special education was because I just thought, well, what teacher doesn't need to know classroom management and assessment, and so that got me started, and knowing that students with special needs would be in my classroom, and so I just wanted to be ready for that as well. Um, and so, but then when I came out of school, I was hired to be an integrated kindergarten teacher, which I just I wish there was funding um for that still, because that's amazing. But what state what state are you in? Washington state.
0: Okay. So and when you say integrated classroom, you mean like an inclusive or collaboratively taught classroom. What's integrated yes. look like in Washington?
1: Right, so I had, so I taught kindergarten and where um, basically my class size would be about a third smaller than the other kindergarten classrooms. So where they were running at 18 to 20 students, I had 12 to 14 students and I was the, the kindergarten special education teacher. And so whether the students were in my classroom or in another kindergarten classroom, um, I was in charge of their program and in charge of the paraeducator, if they weren't in my classroom, that would go into their classroom and support them.
0: Okay, that's kind of what I figured you, yeah. um, you meant by that. And so, you know, I think it's really fascinating what you say about your certificate, because I was the same way. <clears throat> I grew up wanting to be a teacher, thought I was going to be a teacher all the time. I watched, even in law school, even when I decided I didn't want to be a teacher, I Like, critiqued the way that teachers were teaching and thought, oh, I could do this better, or that was a great idea. Um, And I was, you know, I was intrigued by management because I thought, why do you have to teach management to people? Isn't that just kind of like innate to people? Um, And now, of course, like, we know so much about behavior strategies, but when I graduated from college in 2020, it was like, you know, management was something that was just kind of glossed over. But what i didn't actually think about was i wonder if there's a place where i could learn more about like the human i loved my educational psychology classes and i think i only had to take two but i maybe if i had also pursued a special education um i think we called them cohorts or some like that add-on what when i was in school we called it something different um, maybe I would have enjoyed learning that more, um, because I, like you, was kind of like, well, how can I help everybody in the classroom? And I still, to a certain degree, um, think that we miss that in our in our teacher training programs. Because I have so many friends that have said, you know, I want to do my master's in special ed only to help my kids that are on IEPs in my general classroom because I feel underprepared to do that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I think that's a really cool, um, a cool thing. So, okay, so you have kindergarten to second grade, which is kind of where my heart um, was when I was teaching and um, things are just kind of rolling along. And then at some point they asked you if you would teach a self-contained classroom for that grade level, is that right?
1: Yes. Okay. Well, actually I got to choose because numbers were high enough that it was, do I want to do more of a pullout program or self-contained? And I was really missing that um, family feeling of having my own classroom. Like these are my kids. I'm in charge of them all the time, getting to help them through their career. So, okay. Got it. Got it.
0: And then let's talk about what happened when Um, COVID started and kind of the stresses let's start with the stresses on you as a teacher you know I mean I think that first kind of two month stint when we went from uh, middle of March and April and May of 2020 that was all just kind of like wacky wacko what what was your school doing during that time were you teaching from home were you in school what were you doing
1: Right. So I was, um, when it first started, I just knew, um, wow, parents are going to just feel abandoned. Um, And so right away, I just started doing, I made a Facebook group for my students and just started doing like a daily story time, just so I could still be in their home. Um, Again, my classroom has varying levels Um, and so just what is something that everybody could get and it was just okay get me into their home and connecting with parents and what can i do to support you and it was definitely more of course the academic but more just knowing here are kids that they need the structure they need the routine and now things just abruptly ended for them And we, the day that school was closing was the day we found out school was closing. And we thought it was going to be for um, two weeks, then six weeks, then, you know, oh, for the rest of the year. I remember how naive we were. (laughs) Yeah. And so that day was just trying to. Um, my principal did a great job having all the paras flood into the classroom so teachers could pull together whatever they could to send home with students, which was wonderful. But again, I have students that are close to grade level, but because of um, social, emotional anxieties, different things that they're with me. And then I have students nonverbal that were truly working on the basic skills Um, to get materials to everyone, I knew that I wasn't hitting everybody um, where they needed to be. So really connecting. um, And then it was, fortunately for me, the guidelines were a little bit different because I am the only self-contained teacher that's kindergarten through second grade in my district. So I kind of can make my own path um, through the trust that has been built with the administrator and I, and so just really um, working on pulling the materials and doing those one-on-one Zooms with students every day for those that would get online and do that. That's great, so you could focus on their specially designed instruction as as opposed to the whole group instruction,
0: Yes, which hopefully they were getting some other place, but um, yeah, I mean, that's wonderful, and you know, I am always amazed at what special educators do so you're a perfect example it's kindergarten to second grade you think my god like how hard can it be but you've got 12 to 14 students that have each have you know between two and 12 goals so you're monitoring i mean if the, if you've got an average of eight goals times 12 kids i don't even know what 12 times eight is but you're not only monitoring progress on 12 times eight goals hang on 12 times eight We're doing this on my watch in real time. Well, she says she's on it, but she's not (laughs) because I'm talking. So you're not only monitoring progress on that many goals, but you are also, here, I'm doing it on my, it's 96, 96 goals, you know, and, and you might not have that many goals to monitor, but my God, like that is a lot. But then you have to give that heart of the IEP, the specially designed instruction to those. And maybe in kindergarten to second grade, maybe you have, you know, three or four kids with three or four goals each that are language arts oriented. So maybe, you know, and, and we're talking the average special ed- education teacher and, and I'm not making up your life. I'm going to give you an opportunity to talk about this in a second too, but like, let's say that, that you like Barton. Well, maybe you've got a couple kids that are, you know, in books one through four of Barton. Great. But you still have to tailor that instruction to each individual student, and now you're sending it home to people. So special ed during COVID was bonkers crazy. When you think about how you have to hit 96 goals on your caseload with you know a certain number of minutes and then monitor progress on it, like my goodness, how could you possibly get all of that home? So the mechanics of it are hard during a normal school year. <clears throat> it's hard. I mean, the paperwork alone and then getting all of the materials together. I get the materials together for one kid at my house on like a wishy washy, you know, let's hope this works kind of basis and not for all of us goals because I don't know how to assess OT and that kind of stuff. Do we work on handwriting? Eh, sure, a little bit. But, you know, you have to do it for all of these children, right? So like, I empathize because I know how the mechanics are supposed to work, right? Do you want to talk about that for a second?
1: Yeah, so um, I think I'm going to shift it a little bit, though, and say something that um, I really valued from the experience was that so I would go and go to the school and copy materials and do all of those things. And about every two weeks, I would go do porch drop-offs. And um, I really valued that because, you know, I got to see the kids through the window or, you um, talk to the parents, you know, for my car or do those sorts of things. So it's like, I got a glimpse into their world but then on the opposite side, they got to see Mrs. Johnson, hot mess mama at home with her son, you know, walking in the background doing all of those things. And so I thought it kind of even the playing field in that sense that it's like parents got to really see, wow, she's a human and things go wrong there too. And I also really appreciated getting, when I was Zooming, that it was a way for parents to really see, oh, this is how she does it at school because they were right there. And so, you know, that some of the teaching techniques, like they got to see it and were able to apply it at home too. So that part, I really um, am playing in my head, like how can that little piece continue now that things are getting closer to normal.
0: How can it? Because I saw that silver lining too. I took advantage of it in my own house. Um, And I have so many clients that have taken advantage of it, but there's a lot of people with a bad attitude that say, now I see exactly how they are not teaching them. So how can we silver lining people continue to keep up that collaboration and that insight as to what's happening at home And what's happening at school, because that is where the magic happens, right?
1: Yeah. And I think a big part of that is, again, building those relationships, empathizing with families. And I mean, I feel like that's what I was trying to do. It's like, yes, your child needs their education. But how are you doing, mama? How are you? You know, is there anything I can do? You just need to talk for a minute. Do you need, um, you know, I would do the just tell them Mrs. Johnson said, you know, <laughs> I mean, just those little things um, to help keep them going, or you know what, this is overwhelming and you're going to do the best you can. And you know what, we will, we will push when we can push and we will, we'll get there, so. Yeah,
0: I mean, I can't tell you how many times my child's team saw me cry in the last two years. And prior to that, they saw me cry at one really colossally, terrible IEP meeting that started it all off. And they, and they thought it was like a big meanie pants, you know, meanie pants. And it took 18 months probably to heal from that, right? But this was a different kind of crying. I was crying because I was worried about his health. I was crying because, you know, the district didn't support us in decisions or made us go through stupid loopholes. Um, and largely our team, the humans that know and love my kid were amazing, and um, so once we could like get past the the dumb district, you know, Thor of the district and get down to, I don't know if Thor's a bad guy or a good guy, but like, you know, the guy with the thunder, Um, in this case, it was a lady, get to the people. We got what we needed, we got what we wanted. Um, But I think them seeing me as a human did help. And I saw them as a human and they got to support me and I got to support them. And really, I didn't think our stuff could get much better. And it did. It kept getting better. So I agree with you that we go relationship, 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 communicate, 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 and we get goals. You know, we get we get results when we behave like that, when we operate like that. No wonder, <laughs> no wonder you continue to stick around here because that's what, you know, those are the relationships or those are the results that we get when we follow relationship-based advocacy. Um, So, and then let's talk about you on the flip side of this, you as a mom and trying to manage it all. Because, you know, one of the things that we talk about here is teacher burnout and teacher stress. And I know for certain that COVID had a humongous impact on that.
1: Yeah. So, Um, At the time, my son was in third grade and my daughter was in sixth grade, so they had just transitioned to new schools and um, just, you know, all of the unknowns. I was seeing it from the teacher side. I was seeing it from the parent side and from the parent side, I was just so frustrated more because the platforms that were out there that my own kids were using um i had a little bit of a background in it because i'm a teacher but i mean i was logging in to help my son and whatever program they were using at the time it was after school hours and so you couldn't access the reading materials and i'm going but i'm working i can't do it during the day And I really, even as a teacher, I sat there and at some points I was like, you know what, we're not, we're taking a break from school because I'm tired of our relationship going down the tube, the constant fighting and the, you know, I have a third grader that hasn't learned typing yet and everything's on the computer and they have not been taught any of these platforms to use. And again, I had like basic knowledge of it but I wasn't using it all the time because my students would not be able to um, access it in the same way as um, their peers maybe are able to. And so, so much of what I provided was hands-on. And so I was getting to see it from the teacher standpoint and parent standpoint. And I always do this dance in my head of like wanting to be the mama bear. And then it's like, oh, but I know what teachers are going through right now. And I know they really haven't gotten the training. And something I wrote in my email was that um, the platform that my district used for online learning, I took a course in the summer that it was, it's a free course, but you don't get paid to learn it. But it's like, oh, but it's free. So I took it. And then we had an hour and a half training, and then it was, in a week, you need to teach your parents how to use this. And so it's like, I still needed help with the platform, but I needed to teach parents how to use it. And so just so humbling, so humbling.
0: Humbling is a good word, but also insanely frustrating, you know, I mean, and something that I struggled with, with my older child who is neurotypical is he would ask me to look at something or a system would be bugging out and he'd be like, ah, and so I, same thing in between appointments or in between helping his brother, or while I'm also cooking meals because we couldn't eat out and all of those other things we were balancing, excuse me, I would then go to try to help him, but there personalities are such that they are, excused to, they are used to problem solving now. They are not patient people, especially with technology, because they've grown up with it. They know how to fix it. And we are, first of all, not used to it, but we also aren't familiar with it, and so I would say, you know what, give me 15 minutes and I'll figure it out and I will come back to you. Well, that was completely unacceptable for my kid without any behavior diagnoses. I mean, he probably has ADHD, but like he could not stand the fact that I needed a second to read or to explore or to like dive deeper into, Um, we use Schoology, like that's where all of his assignments were. And he would say, mom, I swear it's not on here. And I'm like, well, I know it's on there, but we need to find it, you know, <laughs> and he could not take the like the time that it took me. Um, and I mean, all of that has an impact on us, particularly if then you're trying to teach parents and students how to do it themselves. And I had a similar experience with Jack where um, you know Jack was entitled to fourth grade curriculum the year that he was home, um, the 20 to 21 school year but they just wanted to plop us on an online learning platform. So the fourth grade curriculum was done at a fourth grade reading level, which he is not at. So I was like, well, how are you gonna get me fourth grade curriculum at at second grade modified reading level? And they were like, well, we can't essentially. And so they said, here, we're gonna give you access to the entire thing and you can pick and choose what you do with him. And I'm like, okay, well now you've given me a a double full-time job for one student. What are you gonna pay me to, develop a curriculum for my child, but at the same time I didn't want to give it to I didn't want to put that responsibility on a child on a teacher. And it was dumb anyway. So I was like, all right, how about if you we do this? You tell me how many minutes I have to do to get the attendance check. <laughs> and I'm just um, going to do the rest hands on. And we did. I mean we did 10 minutes or less to get the attendance check. And Then we did the stuff that I bought on Teachers Pay Teachers and that kind of stuff, because, you know, and and I think the hard thing was to then shut off your emotions and say, and I can't worry about it anymore, you know, and for you, that was hard because you were immersed in it with your own family and
1: um, as a teacher professionally, right? Well, and can I say too that I would say COVID, the hardest thing for me was I had to really turn off social media. I really had to turn off because I think there was just so much frustration out there in the community, and it was 100% out of our control, 100% out of the parents' control. You know, I've heard you talk about how administrators were rebuilding their schedules how many times. Well, it literally would change daily of what was expected you know as it's like oh we're going into this longer than we expected so we can't just check this box now we need to do this and it was constantly changing and so as a teacher who likes to be prepared it's like but I don't want to get too prepared and then everything that I've worked on so hard goes out the window and I need to totally pivot again and go a different way um but like the social media and whatnot i got to the point that where i always would be so proud to be a teacher and i kind of felt like i didn't want to say that i was a teacher because i was afraid that somebody would give me some opinion about you know how awful we're doing at that time or um we talked about in the email that um You know, we went from working at home when the initial shutdown happened and then the following school year, we needed to be working in our building so the public could see the parking lot full so they knew that we were actually working. Um, You know, but what other job do you have to do that?
0: Right, and what other job were you expected to maintain the same level of expertise? And maintain the same outcomes with no forgiveness. You didn't get to go on a, you know, you didn't get to take 10 COVID sick days. Nobody got extra sick days. You didn't get to leave at two o'clock. You didn't get the mental health breaks. You didn't get an adjusted schedule. You didn't get, you know, additional food because you had to teach in person. I mean, my husband works for a corporation. And when I see all of the wonderful ways that they support their employees that are COVID specific, I think teachers got none of that you know and I'm blessed I I one of the reasons I left education is because of the bureaucracy I'm wildly independent and I never would have made it um and but I'm so blessed and what I realized is my I am 120% more effective my business was 120% more lucrative in 2000 20 from 2019, and then from 2021 from 2020, which means from 21 to 19, probably like 124, 128% more lucrative, because I'm more efficient when I have right. to work in chunks. And I, I mean, you know, I started another business in the middle of this, and my law firm is still doing better. And I think, I don't think it'll be true this year, because of COVID and summer. I just kind of hit a summer slope, honestly. <laughs> but it's fascinating how um, how the human body reacted to that. So then, okay, so you maintained your sunny, I'm going to get shit done disposition. And that's what I call the disposition. You probably call it something nicer. Um, but you were like, I'm going to do something with this. I'm going to make some lemonade out of this situation. Um, And I'm going to use this insight that I have, and I'm going to help families to advocate for their kids. So talk to us about you deciding that you wanted to become a special education advocate and helping families.
1: Yeah, so um, I really have been thinking that um, I don't know if I want to teach until retirement, um, because, you know, there's there's so much that goes into it and so much that I feel like um, my brain doesn't shut off and it doesn't shut off in the summer because I come back to the same students, which I love that, but then it never shuts off. And so just thinking of how can I help a wider um, community of people and really you know, hitting those um, those um, caregivers that just are really feeling the overwhelm, you know, and letting them know it's okay. There's hope. Let's walk through this with you. And so um, I started exploring because like I said, I'm a safe person. It's like, this is what I've always wanted to do. Um, But starting to explore, how can I do this, but in a different way? And so I started researching. I signed up for ABC School, um, found your podcast, and um, just really trying to figure out, what can I do? And so I am partnering with a colleague of mine, and we are launching our advocacy business hopefully in August, because school starts in September. And so we are going to start with podcasts and um, resources for families. And then we, our goal is to um, eventually roll out where we can help individual families um, on consulting or advocacy that's specific to them.
0: That is so exciting. I'm so excited that you are able to access it on your time. And that then you're able to build your business on your time and um, scale it so that you can continue to teach. Um, and then you never know what the future holds. But that's one of the things that I love about the advocacy business is you can do it where you get paid when you work and you don't get paid when you don't work, um, and you get to do it on your own time. And it, it you know it's it's very very scalable.
1: Um, I feel like that was something else that COVID brought was that working from home and working when it was, you know, yes, I always got my hours in, but I may be doing it at different times than the traditional work day. And that's something I didn't know that I would love as much as I did. So
0: the sunny side of COVID.
1: Absolutely.
0: What's funny is this whole episode is about the silver lining. And I feel like I have um I personally have complained more in this episode than I probably ever complained. I've really like hit the negative more than I ever have. But you know, sometimes you have to like really kind of dig deep and you've got experiences, hard experiences in order to affect change in order to find that silver lining and in order to be like stimulated and motivated to like get right into your passion and know what you're good at. Um and I think this could be extremely motivating to other people that are like, this does not feel right. And I know what does feel right. Um, and so I'm super proud of you for the decisions that you've made and, and just kind of taking the leap.
1: Thank you. Yeah. I'm just really excited to get things going and see, um, where this new path takes me. So,
0: yes. And I know that the business is in business development. Um, but, If you could just for a second before we sign off here, talk about that B part of the ABC course. So, the the ABC is advocacy, business, and concepts in special education. So, the A is the advocacy strategies. The B is the business development um, and business startup. And then the C is more specific concepts in special ed, like transitions or um, whatever, MDRs, you know, very specific things that you may not get if you were to purchase the lab also. So, but talk to us because you're a new business woman. Um, So talk to us about how that B part of the ABC course
1: helped you to get your business off the ground um well i think it just um just you talking through things like the intake or how you know just kind of how you have things set up for your business but i love you know just like in special education it's like you have to be flexible you have to make it your own um you know, and so just really going through and seeing, okay, here's things that I haven't thought about yet. Um, you know, again, like that intake process and we're not there yet that we want things that are kind of out there that are for everybody and then kind of um, tailor it down as we go, Um but just even thinking of, okay, what kinds of ideas? How can we reach people? And so um, our podcast, which we've started recording. And so since we um, definitely are doing everything on our own right now and learning all of the tech things and all the behind the scenes things, um, again, we're hoping to get it out um, by the end of August, but, we decided to call it the empowerment project because we just really want to be able to empower families and know that there is hope and you are doing the right thing and um you know there are obstacles out there and sometimes it's okay to take a step back and have somebody else help you through that um And so we're going to start with kind of a back to school series on the podcast of what is it that um, you can do at home to get ready for back to school? What can you do as far as connecting with the school to get ready for back to school? Um, And then kind of start at the basics of special education and go from there.
0: Yay, that's exactly how we started here. I had my friend Sarah Plattenberg on, and we talked about how to prepare for um, the upcoming semester. And um, then we started with the basics, and we worked our way forward. So I'm so proud of you. I am so excited to watch your business grow. Um, Once it's off the ground and you're up and running, I want to share it. So I want for you to stay in touch. I know you will because you're part of the ABC community. And so thank you. Thank you for coming and
1: sharing your story with us. Thanks for having me on here. This was really special and I'm glad that we had a chance to chat.
0: Yes. I'm just so happy to share the stories of people that have taken the ABC class and are getting it done and helping families. So have a wonderful um, start to the school year and I'm going to be back here cheerleading for you. Thank you. See you soon. Okay, thank you.